There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster way. Are you Tony's stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo, and we've got the gang all here today. We've got Robbie, we've got Peaches, we've got Chris, and we have the lady sound herself, Angela. What up, Angela? Hey. What's going on? Thanks for being on with us. Ready to talk all things WandaVision? Are you excited? So excited! This is a this is a juicy episode to talk about because a lot of stuff happened, um, and a lot of the things that we said. I mean, I, I feel like it happens every episode, but uh, we'll like be like, "All right, here's our list of one thousand theories," and then the very next episode, they're like, "Nope, every single one of those are wrong." <laughs> That's why I found this episode so relatable. <laughs> <laughs> but today's show, we're going to be discussing episode four. We interrupt this program written by Megan McDonald and Bobak Esfarjani That's the- and directed by Matt Shackman. Bless you. I think I said that correctly. That's Esfarjani. how I would have said it as well. So I actually looked up a Apologies. pronunciation and could not find one. Esfarjani. I can cut like a knife. Yeah. I that, was, that was like a weird, weird <laughs> reference. I don't, it didn't work that well. Well, starting at the top, instead of a sitcom opening like the past three episodes, ooh, sounds like Robbie has a sore spot here. We watch as Geraldine is formed from the dust of Thanos. It's just a blunt fact. It's not a sore spot. (laughs) Instead of the sitcom opening, which I loved, I did had just a regular opening. But I also loved this opening. It's just a fact. Did you? Yeah. How could you love this opening? This was a sad opening. Sometimes feeling emotion is good. I'd rather feel something than nothing at all. Do you love the up opening too? I do. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, we watch as Geraldine is reformed from the dust of Thanos' snap. Did you guys immediately get what was happening yes. when that happened? Yeah. I... Oh, yeah. Okay, well, screw you. <laughs> I... <laughs> you remember the rest of the MCU, right? Well, no, it... it... When she left the room, I understood what was happening. But at the very beginning, when she was just like being pieced back when, together, I was like, "What the, when dust, what the hell is going?" On? When dust formed a person in an MCU entertainment piece, you didn't know what was happening. No, okay. I was confused because of the weird shot they did it. So in. I can explain. And maybe I should have gotten it in at the end of Avengers: Infinity War. The bad guy Thanos. <laughs> He snaps his fingers using a magical glove. And when he snaps his fingers using that magical glove, everyone turns into this dust that like collapses. Eduardo is going to, is about to perform the yeeting of Dilkid 3. (laughs) You can see it in his eyes. You're not my neighbor and you're not my friend. As Monica Rambo talks to Captain Marvel about going to space. Space. Want to go to space? Space! 
she awakens in an empty hospital room and runs out to find a crazy scene in a hospital as people all over de-blipped. I should probably not. This is like a serious scene, and I'm reading it like it's like a zany. She <laughs> she awakens in the hospital room, finds yeah. out a crazy scene in a hospital. Oh, no, her mom's dead. <laughs> I just got to uh, say, the doctor really should have led with... So five years ago, half the people in the world right? disappeared. Right. And in the interim, your mother died. Not, but your mom's dead, don't you know? By the way, I know you've been missing for five years. And I remember this highly publicized thing <laughs> right. that didn't even need to be publicized right. because we all I agree it. with that. It's like she's like startled that you disappeared five years ago. What happened to you? It couldn't have possibly been the same thing as all the other people that disappeared five years ago. <laughs> It's yeah. like when your it's like when your friend has some secret information that they're not allowed to tell you, but they start a conversation with, "Hey guys, I have some secret information that I'm not allowed to tell you," and then they don't actually tell you anything. It's kind of exactly like that, Robbie. <laughs> I had to talk to my lawyer first. <laughs> Eyeballs emoji. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, we've already got one reference that literally no one's gonna get. Hey, it's enough episode, enough baby. It's all about. Hey. Uh, she desperately asks the staff if they've seen her mother, who was missing from the bed. A doctor recognizes Geraldine, calling her Monica, and explains that her mother, Maria Rambeau, died three years ago, two years after Monica disappeared. Now, Robbie, you love sadness and death and stuff, so you really liked this opening. <laughs> what I actually like is sex mom. <laughs> what I actually liked was seeing, even if it was brief, seeing a little bit of the. Uh, the chaos and trauma that would come from the de-snapping from Hulk snap, the unblip, whatever. Uh, the, the, uh, 100%ification. I don't know. But anyway, I, I liked seeing it. Uh, far From Home dealt with it a little bit. And definitely some of the character interactions of Far From Home were ramifications of the blip. But when they handled people returning, it was really just played for laughs, which is fine. It fit that movie well. The, the, the band reappearing on the court um, and that was, that was fine for the movie, but really 50% of society just re-existing all of a sudden would be hell. Um, probably worth it, but like, this would be horrible. Your hospital would suddenly be, uh, past capacity and people would be trying to figure out what happened and... God, imagine that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> there would be a whole lot of trauma, like... Half of society is going to be really messed up immediately. So I think of the people who moved on with their lives in those five years. Exactly, exactly. You're you, you were blipped, and your kids now been adopted by someone, or you know your your wife remarried, or uh, your mother died of of uh, cancer three years ago. Um, mm -hmm. So I just thought it was very interesting to even it was just brief, but I did like seeing a little bit of that. Uh, the darker side of what would happen after Hulk snapped people back into existence. Um, I don't have much to say about it. I just really liked us spending some time on it in this show. What if they did I, the same thing and it was a sitcom? Like, what if that she was came back and they were far like, from home? What if they were like, your mom yeah. died three years ago and then there was a laugh track? <laughs> Gosh. You would at least it's get like, the audience all going, aww. It's aww. Like, and it's then like the an, strings would start. It's like when Adult Swim used to play uh, Space Ghost episodes with a laugh track over it, and it would just be completely nonsensical when people were laughing. 
Yeah, I think it was. It's really sad. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Angela it equating it to Up. I think is a really, it's a really good comparison because it's just really sad for no reason. Like it's just so sad. I think it is worth noting, though. I like. I think it's important in the MCU that we have this tiny little scene because, like Robbie said, yes. we get that in in Far From Home, and it's played off like funny. Like, hey, look, everyone came back. They're still playing their instruments, <laughs> morons. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this version, it's like no, there's there's a lot of implication here. So I like seeing both sides of it. I I don't know that I'd say I like the opening because it made me sad, but it's not bad either. Yeah, I liked um, getting another civilian perspective on, you know, the resulting consequences of snapping everyone back. Um, because in Endgame, it's just we the most we see is you know um, Hawkeye's wife calls him, and everyone's really happy about that for a second before <laughs> before the compound gets blown up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously all of our heroes returning is like this big triumphant thing. And but really, there's so much else going on in the world and. Mm-hmm. I think that it's cool that they bring this back occasionally, like, hey, there were actually consequences to things that happened, kind of like what they did in Civil War when they're showing the Avengers the consequences of all of their big battles in New York and D.C. and everywhere. And it's like, hey, this was really badass and cool when you guys were doing your thing, but actually it caused all (laughs) these problems, too, like you left quite a mess in your wake and the blip blipping everyone back while overall still a good thing it you know i think it's cool to to see these perspectives from just regular people right also speaking of perspectives from regular people and something else you said about all the heroes returning you see this hospital in chaos and all these people completely out of sorts meanwhile the superheroes in this universe just go oh hey we're back let's go get thanos now like the portal scene is a uh, the behind the scenes uh, or the off screen, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, logistics of that are impressive. Wait, but to be fair, when Monica comes back, she immediately thinks her mom just finished surgery. Like she thinks that she's still in the moment before yeah. she left. They were all doing, all the Avengers were doing something related to fighting or stopping Thanos when they got blipped. So That's it fair. stands to reason they'd come back and be like, yeah. alright, where is he? Let's go. And, Where'd he go? And Doctor Strange seemed to be aware as well of yeah, what happened. Because Spider-Man talks about how oh, and then Doctor Strange said, wait to come here, and he gets all the sorcerers together to bring everyone to, um, to the Avengers compound for the final battle. If yeah, Doctor Strange looks fast. Duck. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> what matters. Like, you need Howard. All the of duck. these possibilities, but the one that's important is the one where Howard the Duck is there. <laughs> it's true. Save the duck. Save the world. <laughs> you know. Also, you think about we're we're finally starting to see what happened on Earth, and think about the fact that this happened literally across the entire universe. Mm-hmm. That everyone suddenly came back. So. Every planet is dealing with this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and like people have theorized a lot of really horrific things coming from the Hulk snap, right? Like people mm. and like, what happened if you were in an airplane? Right. Or yeah. if, you know, like all these other things that, what if you were in a building, but the building no longer exists? Like, 
or you weren't uh, in a building and now it's an Applebee's right where you were standing. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Hey, while we're while we're talking about Monica right at the beginning, this is what I believe, at least in the show, it's the introduction to showing that Geraldine is actually Monica. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm just not very self-aware of of certain things on the internet, but we had we have been on this podcast at least we've been calling her Monica since like episode two when we met her, and we've been calling Agnes Agatha. We still don't really have any real quote. I'm doing finger quotes, listeners. We still don't have any real evidence that Agatha and Agnes are the same person. But it seems like the internet all knew for sure that Monica and Geraldine were the same person. Like they had officially act- announced that she was playing Monica. Yes. Who is like, they? Marvel. Yeah. Marvel oh. and Disney. Like when they announced that she was cast, they said she'll be playing Monica Rambeau in uh, WandaVision. So they just, yeah. And so they, they also that out that she's going to be in Captain Marvel too. Yes. One okay. of the first things I knew about the show was that Monica Rambeau was in it. Yeah. I didn't realize that they had revealed that before the show even existed so okay yes yeah so that was actually confirmed fact interesting all right never mind i'm dumb which is what i started this uh little blurb with so cool confirmed (laughs) after the marvel studios logo we find monica at the sword headquarters the director of sword tyler henry confirms what most of us already knew Geraldine is Monica Rambeau, the daughter, the daughter of Carol Danvers' best friend, the one who chose the color of the Captain Marvel costume. We established that Monica Rambeau created SWORD, Sentient Weapons Observe and Report Division, and Monica was a high-level astronaut in the organization prior to the snap. Now, first off, Tyler Henry is going to be a bad guy, and I don't know why, but I just feel like he is. Yeah, I just get I get yeah. the bad guy vibe from him. Yeah. Although like Marvel Marvel has given me bad guy vibes before when people didn't end up being bad guys. But yes, same. Yeah, I just get bad guy vibes from him. And there's yeah. also just like a bajillion questions about Sword, uh, Chris. It like it's just confusing. Like I just don't understand. The problem with doing stuff like this, like Sword, is that we have been watching Marvel movies for years, and suddenly we're like, oh. Sword's been here the whole time. You guys just didn't know. Yeah, that's I, I I have so many questions. Like, first of all, is Sword actually related to Shield? It feels like it should be, because Sword and Shield go together. It's a completely and... different game. I mean, it's mostly the same game, but you have to buy both to get access to everything. <laughs> Most of them have the same employees, but Sword has like eight to ten different employees that Shield doesn't have, and uh, they okay. and same vice versa. Right, you've got to trade. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I'm completely divorcing it from what we know about Sword in the Comics because this is obviously a different organization from Sword. It has, I mean, because Sword in the Comics is Sentient World Observation and this is Sentient Weapon Observation. Which is a very, those are two very different things. Yeah. Because it does raise the question are Wanda and or Vision considered sentient weapons themselves? Perhaps. And, but we now know that they were brought in just because. Jimmy Woo wanted their drones because um, the FBI doesn't have good enough drones, apparently. Uh, but I, when was it founded? It's it's implied that it was founded probably in the 90s. Uh, if it was founded by, by Maria, then 
it was probably in the 90s and we don't know again we don't know if it was as an offshoot of shield because she was part of project pegasus which partnered with shield we know that much uh but that was like a joint shield and air force joint um and she has worked with nick fury obviously she knows captain marvel herself uh which is why i did enjoy when the director and monica were talking and he says there are a lot of threats in space and Monica says, and allies, because she knows about Captain Marvel. She's possibly aware of the Guardians of the Galaxy by this point. I don't know. I mean, she's uh, worked, if she's worked with S.H.I.E.L.D., or I'm sorry, with S.W.O.R.D., and she said she's been to space, has yeah. she seen the scrolls? Maybe. Like, yeah, because cause that's the other thing, is that we all assumed that Far From Home post credit scene with Nick Fury on a space station with scrolls. Everyone was like, oh my gosh, it's S.W.O.R.D. And then we did get S.W.O.R.D. in the very next thing that the MCU gave us. But it seems like it might be a different thing. Yeah. But maybe it's not. I don't know. Um, like We all assumed that, but who knows? And, and there's also definitely a lot of retconny stuff that is happening. We talked about this back in the Captain Marvel episode, how in Avengers, Nick Fury says, we had to start phase two to create these weapons because of Thor and Loki. Aliens attacked Earth, and and we discovered that we weren't alone, and we were outgunned. And then we found out in Captain Marvel, nah, Nick Fury has been palling around with scrolls since 1992. Or, yeah, that makes me angry so. now that you put it in succinct terms like that. Yeah, but it's, I think the, at least for me, the head canon is that Nick Fury is evasive and doesn't want to tell anybody the whole truth about anything. Yeah. And so yeah. he will say what is convenient for the moment because he's not the type of person to divulge all the information that he has at any time. Yeah. His, yeah and I think, I think it can easily be enough is that whole scene happens because we have found out that Nick Fury is lying about everything. Whereas Tony Stark says, he goes, his secrets have secrets. Well, there yeah. we go. There's his secret having a secret. So it works. It's actually in character. Um, it's definitely an idea that came to later, but it works. Uh, and, and Angela pointed this out yesterday when we, when we were talking about this, that, Thor and Loki, uh, the, the, uh, what happened in New Mexico, that was the first very public alien attack that probably get, garnered a lot of publicity because that just happened right in the middle of town. Most of the stuff between Captain Marvel and the Scroll and the Kree did not really affect you know, enough that it got would have gotten a lot of publicity. Like It wasn't common knowledge that there were superheroes now like there was after Thor and all that. So the public awareness might have been the the tipping point there of what made that an important incident. Well, and Fury probably also didn't want to draw attention to the scrolls because he was pals with them and because they were basically refugees. You know, he didn't want to point them out to the whole of S.H.I.E.L.D. as like, hey, we need to do something about this because yeah. they're friends, not a threat and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. We know Coulson's aware because Fury trusts Coulson more than anyone. I don't feel like the, that I was confused by this. Um, I'm not trying to directly oppose you, but here I might, I, I just, uh, I don't know that I, I, I feel like these are two different entities because we're seeing a different light of it. Like, like shield has a headquarters on earth and they have a helicarrier. They have two different, buildings or one's a flying building but that doesn't mean that they're different organizations right, like lame, i still think the, <laughs> i still think that the end of captain marvel 
post-credit scene could be just a different facet of Sword. Like this is Sword's mm-hmm. headquarters in space that is maybe manned by Skrulls, and here is their headquarters on Earth because we know that both of those things that we've seen have some sort of Captain Marvel influence, right? We've got Monica Rambeau on the ground and we've got scrolls in the sky. I think they could still be related and maybe they just switched out weapon for world or whatever it is, yeah. world for weapon. Well, I think also that shield sword has to be separate enough from shield to have survived winter soldier and winter mm-hmm. soldier. We find out that shield has been basically completely infiltrated all the way up to the top by Hydra. And they dump all of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s secrets on the internet. That's, and S.H.I.E.L.D. is basically dissolved. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. notwithstanding. From all of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s secrets being dumped? Like, do we ever get anything from that? Uh, A television Um, series. It's how, um, it's how, blanking on his name, Bad Guy in Civil War. Oh, uh, oh, yeah, Baron Zemo. That's how he found the, the... The guy that he, the Hydra guy that he. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So, so there were ramifications of of all that stuff getting dumped out there, but but uh, Shield was officially dissolved and and then you know brought back in Agents of Shield as sort of a quieter organization in some ways, uh, but Sword apparently publicly existing with their airport hangar headquarters, which you said it was what Cape Canaveral is what it looks like. It's what it kind of looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, which would make sense. Yeah. Um, so so that leads me to believe that, you know, maybe it is an offshoot of S.H.I.E.L.D., a spinoff, if you will. But they're like the separate space enough that when... for, for S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Actually, the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's really weird that Hydra apparently didn't care about S.W.O.R.D. Or were somehow unsuccessful in infiltrating it. Now that you say that. Maybe yeah, they don't or... know about it. Yeah, they didn't know about their giant hanger. It feels like everyone knows about Sword. Right? Like the FBI are like, oh, hey, look, it's Sword, that one guy that I can request drones from. Like, it feels <laughs> like Sword is just something that everybody knows about. They're the about. drone people. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I assume we'll be finding out more about Sword, hopefully, in this series. And then, but then the question is, where will we see it next? Are we going to have to wait until we get to Captain Marvel 2? Or will we. It, it's one of the biggest world-building teases for the future of the MCU. They definitely ripped off the atrium of the Triskelion. The the atrium in the the sword headquarters looks yep. very similar. Also, looking at pictures, and, you're right. It's Cape Canaveral. Yeah, and I bet they all have the same kind of conference rooms and stuff. Mm. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Due to the protocols her own mother created, Monica is temporarily banned from space missions. And aside oh, I wanted to say, by the way, real quick, when they walk into the shield, or excuse me, the sword headquarters, and they've got all the news stories up there about the blip, there were a couple fun Easter eggs that you found. Yeah, um, so WHIH News, which has been in a bunch of movies or shows, um, I think daredevil it's been on that yeah i think it was one of the and news then incredible hulk and some viral others. marketing stuff that they've done it's uh, the reporter from the first iron man was later retconned as an employee of like she got a job at whih and then another news network was spectrum news spectrum and later Gross. we see darcy using a spectrum analyzer when she's looking for monica and if you don't know, one of Monica's 
superhero names is Spectrum. Oh. So there you I go. was thinking of the terrible internet company. Same. <laughs> oh yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, she was she was uh, she was Photon. She was Captain Marvel, and she was Spectrum. So who, they, who she formally they formally called her Bright House. um and i noticed that uh one of the things that they uh one of the headlines was pope to speak at 6 p.m which to me says daredevil's coming back yes (laughs) daredevil the pope yeah (laughs) matt pope doc (laughs) monica is temporarily banned from space missions and assigned to look into missing person situation in New Jersey, where the FBI is requesting the use of sword drones for observation. Monica arrives in Westview, New Jersey, where she meets with FBI agent Jim Woo. Jim Halpert, last seen in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I have to interject here. I'm sorry. This is going to be... I, I, I wanted to be the one to say this. This is the best Marvel callback of all time. I don't care what anyone says. You can tell me I'm wrong in an email if you want. Jimmy Woo walking up to meet Monica and appearing his card via online magic trick out of his hand to give his FBI business card to Monica Rambeau. He learned the magic trick from Ant-Man 2. He actually learned it and he used it. I did it. not catch that. that I can't really get good. over it. That's really good. I did not catch that at all. You got to go back and watch it. It's so good. <laughs> I'm geeking out just thinking about him pil- pulling the card out of thin air. Agent Jimmy Woo, and now, FBI. Now I'm just picturing the fact that he probably died a l- little inside, that Monica wasn't impressed, and didn't even say anything about it. <laughs> she has no idea. She has no idea. But it means everything to him. You can see how happy he is. Okay, sorry. Wu explains a witness in the FBI protection program lives in Westview and seemed to have disappeared. Upon investigating, none of his contacts have ever heard of the witness's existence. All right. Is this important? The FBI protection person that... Is it Norm? Norm's a communist. Well, right. Norm (laughs) is the one... Norm is a communist. He is one that's like... I'm still on this Norm is a communist thing. I feel like there's (laughs) a thread here that we're just not getting. <laughs> but I, th- I feel like there's someone in that town who is also important That's for a possible. different reason. I think you're right. I think there's got to be an actual reason that the FBI would have started getting involved. I-, I think it ends up just being kind of, I don't want it to end up being a point that they just use to like get these characters involved in the story. I, yeah. I do want it to actually end up meaning something. Um, but I have no idea who it would be. Like, maybe the norm communist thing. I, I don't know. Maybe Ralph maybe Agnes is the, the FBI agent. <laughs> it could be Ralph. We don't know much about him yet. Um, you know what, though? I think if it were any of the people that we've met, they would have seen him watching the televised sitcom because they took That's, notes on everyone yeah that they saw. i feel like yeah there's a good chance Wu would have said something or maybe he's just really good at protecting his witnesses and is not going to bring up hey that's the witness i'm looking for um yeah. but yeah i think i think and if if acting director hayward is a bad guy as eduardo mentioned maybe he is because he was kind of sus um you know 
like it is a little weird that he monica's his like top person you know she's she should have been director instead of him and he is throwing her Go at fly this, a drone <laughs> at least from the outside seemingly teeny tiny mission a missing person's case and it's just which is a little weird and you know maybe it does is he involved at all in what's going on in westview is does he have some motive um this could be nothing but his diplomas on the wall of his office were in the hex shape so like is what (laughs) robbie just sat up yeah (laughs) is he ralph is he mephisto who knows i'm that could all be bs but i wonder if he's in on it at all um but yeah, I think if the missing person had been any of those townsfolk that they ID'd, um, they would have been they like, oh, well, there's, so. there's our person. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but it wasn't. Um, so. Huh. Sad. I do want them to be important, though. I agree with you. I think I think they will be. I'm hoping they will be. I'll be sad if it's just a... Like a, like a MacGuffin to get them to the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, to yeah. the place. I I don't know how sad I'll be because I like that Jimmy Woo and Darcy are involved because they're fun, but yeah. He takes Monica to a pair of local cops who insist there is no such thing as Westview, despite the entire town and the "Welcome to Westview" sign behind them. Yeah, did they even know the sign was there? I can't. My tell. assumption was they did not. It feels like they. Yeah. didn't and how much of that is wanda still controlling well the working theory i think is that anyone connected with the citizens of westview is also affected by wanda's hex they don't they all of a sudden have amnesia and don't remember anything about it right because they said they called mm-hmm. families or of yeah they the called the family the missing of the witness person, person and they don't remember this person ever existing Right. So if these sheriffs have any, you know, connection with Westview, they wouldn't remember Westview existed. Mm. Also, if she's controlling all this, like Wanda on her own is more powerful than like an entire infinity stone. (laughs) Yeah. That could be as simple though as simple. (laughs) What a stupid (laughs) (laughs) This could be just Wanda magicking the sign. The sign could normally say Eastview. And she changes it to say Westview because we know from the previous episode that there were cop cars that said Eastview on them. So it could be that the police officer is like, nope, there's no Westview. There's an Eastview. There's no Westview. Mm. Maybe that sign doesn't even exist. Maybe that's why he could like, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about because maybe he can't see the sign and it doesn't open up his eyes. (laughs) Yeah, but but the, I mean the thing is like there we do see the sign on the interstate mm-hmm. of the turnpike that says Westview this exit as well. That's, so that's true. So it exists outside of the bubble. There are also, references to it. Well, it's a five mile radius. Oh yeah, per hex, so it could include those signs on the highway. Yeah. Also, when that cop car drives away, does it disappear in the force field? I'm pretty sure it does, and they just don't notice. No, it drove in the other oh, direction. Okay, it drove got away it, from Westview. It. I thought. Oh. You know what you just reminded me of? What a strange segue. 
that video from like somewhere in the early 2000s that was like one of those jump scare videos where it was a car driving yeah, around yeah. Like a windy forest and <laughs> you watch it for a while and then it goes into the forest and you're expecting it to come out and then it's like the exorcist girl pops up on the screen sorry listeners that i just did that to you oh no <laughs> i mean i was fine until you said exorcist girl and then i got scared yeah <laughs> I mean, the exorcist girl really had a hex put on her. Back to the show. He takes Monica to a pair of local cops who insist there is no such thing as Westview, despite the entire town and the Welcome to Westview sign behind them. Agent Wu says he hasn't gone in because the town is exuding a presence telling him not to. Weird. Right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And he says it like, you feel it too, right? (laughs) Like, not concerned that this is going to make him sound crazy. Yeah. He knows he's crazy. (laughs) He's so weird. (laughs) Monica flies a sword drone, a tiny helicopter, into Westview. All right, so the whole we had that debunked. (laughs) Right, unfortunately, I thought that would have been the best fan theory. I know. (laughs) Uh, And it immediately disappears through the pixelated force field she was thrown out of at the end of episode three. Monica reaches out to touch the force field and is sucked through, disappearing from sight. A van carrying a group of uh, scientists descends on Westview, including Darcy Lewis, Jane Foster's former assistant, now a doctor of astrophysics. Good job, Darcy. Yeah. Yeah. From poli sci student to astrophysicist. (laughs) The scientists have been brought in to help S.W.O.R.D. and the FBI determine what is going on with Westview. She immediately finds massive levels of radiation and a wavelength she determines is a television broadcast. Uh, what? What's the point of Wanda broadcasting the speeches? Like, what? Why? Why would she do that? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm. <clears throat> I'm trying to figure out what's going on with that because. So for this, I guess you have to skip a little bit to the end to understand. You know the line that Wanda says, which both of my main points are about that she is under that she has this all under control, right? So let's assume for the purpose of this argument, that Wanda does indeed have all of this under control. If that's the case, and Darcy mentioning at all that something is being broadcast from this this Westview bubble, if she doesn't want anybody to be aware of this life that she's making for herself, this this grief-stricken image that she's created of her own life that has an alive vision in it, why would she at all broadcast this? She wants everybody around her to play into this scenario. So why would she why would she give anybody an opportunity to get in and and ruin that for her? I have two theories. My first theory is that subconsciously Wanda is just crying for help, right? Because in House of M the illusions that she creates and the reality that she warps is a product of her being grief stricken. And that is clearly the case in the MCU because vision is dead. Um, So maybe part of this grief stricken illusion is her crying out for help. Maybe her subconscious is saying, this isn't right. Somebody help me. Even though the actions that she's taken so far in the show show otherwise that she wants this illusion but maybe some part of her doesn't i think that the more likely and more twisty theory though is that agnes is actually the one that's responsible for getting this 
quote-unquote broadcast signal out, right? If we're going on the assumption, again, we don't know for sure, but all signs point to Agnes being Agatha Harkness. If she is also a thousands of years old witch that has powers that is like keeping tabs on Wanda somehow, she obviously, based on the end of episode three, knows that there's a lot of weirdness going on and she might be the one broadcasting this as a sitcom or as anything so that somebody comes and and tries to rescue Wanda. I think it makes more sense that Agnes is playing more of a hero in incognito um, because we don't think she's a bad guy. She's not a bad guy in the comics. There's no reason for her to be a bad guy in this show. And the tables are kind of turned on us in this episode when the Wanda is a villain theory kind of starts coming to life a lot more. Agnes could be the anti-villain in the case of Wanda being the main character of the show. So I, I think that Agnes is actually the one pushing these signals out to people to um, try to get other people involved because she probably doesn't think she's powerful enough to take Wanda she's on not. on her own. And she, yeah, she's not. She yeah. really, she really is. No I'm now is. convinced that's that like a Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> that's like a Mr. Miyagi thing, right? Like the student has surpassed the master. If they really did, you know, train witchcraft together in the past, like, um, I, I would like to propose a third theory. Yes, please. It's a, the monkey paw type thing. I wish my life were more like a TV show. Well, the thing that happens is, yeah, your life's like a TV show. That includes people are able to watch it. Oh. Yeah. But not, not quite that simple, but it's like an unintended side effect of what no, she's No, I like that. I, I think yeah. so. I actually like both of Peach's theories, I think, are actually pretty sound. Um, they're not the direction I'm leaning, but I think they both make a lot of sense. In particular, I like the subconscious cry for help, but both make sense. But what I've been leaning towards is more of just what she's doing happens to be creating this radiation that can be tuned in on a television and watched. And it, so it's more like a, um, a, uh, a byproduct of what she's creating. But what you're saying, I think yeah. makes it make a little bit more sense. What she's doing is she is creating, she's not just creating a happy life. She is creating her life as a television sitcom. And that is creating this byproduct that they're able to view. Um, and now that you put it that way, I think that's where I'm leaning. But I do think both of Peach's theories are pretty sound, too. It's it's just such a weirdly particular thing. Sorry, go ahead, Angela. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I don't... For as much as Wanda has under her control, I feel like one of the byproducts that she doesn't have under control is the fact that she what she's doing takes up so much energy. And, I mean... We have Darcy tracking this CMBR, this radiation coming off of Westview, which that kind of radiation originated from the Big Bang. What also originated from the Big Bang are the Infinity Stones. So like Wanda's powers, which come from the Mind Stone, are so great, so vast, so enormous that, you know, I think she, there's kind of no way it couldn't get, um, analyzed and tracked by the outside world you know as much as she would prefer that it not be um and because the projection that she's the hex that she's put over the town is that of a sitcom that's how it presents itself 
to the outside world is like a TV show where if she was doing any other kind of spell or, she, you know, whatever, then maybe they'd be tracking it a different way and they just hear people talking when they're trying to track it or whatever. But because it's a sitcom, that's what they're seeing when they're tracking it. But like, I just think that energy source, the, the power that she has that she's using on this hex is just so great that there's no way it, it wouldn't get tracked. Yeah, and I think the reason for her doing the hex is really important to kind of solving this part of the mystery, right? Because we don't necessarily know why she's doing what she's doing. An easy answer is probably she just wants to spend more time with Vision. But if that was the case, she would just stay in the 50s sitcom. Like, what is the point of progressing through sitcoms if there's not an end to this thing that she's doing, right? Like, it feels mm -hmm. like she is building up to something. And, you know, maybe there is a missing FBI witness person and Wanda is trying to get Vision to inhabit that person's body. I don't know. The uh, working theory here, guys. But mm -hmm. I'm just saying that there's got to be like a reason for what she's doing. I don't think it is just spend more time with Vision. I think it is she's trying to get Vision back somehow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, um, yeah. There, uh, a friend of mine pointed out, and I think this is pretty astute observation. We might have talked about this a little bit, is that, you know, why, why sitcoms? And if you think about it, she's an immigrant she grew up in a third world european country probably her exposure to america was through exported right. old tv shows so she's creating this idealized american life for her the only way that she knows an idealized american life through yep. the lens of television and it's all about she wants to assimilate into this neighborhood you know she doesn't have her accent except for when pietro's brought up and she slips back into her accent and Otherwise, it's like her European heritage is played for laughs in the first episode and then not addressed at all in the second. And she's got that real kind of middle American accent of not really having an accent, at least from you know our perspective. Obviously, everyone has an accent, but whatever. You know, so so I think that's kind of that the, that's at least there in the subtext. I think uh, of you know, of an explanation of why sitcoms. Now, it doesn't really explain why are we progressing through the decades unless it's, well, couldn't really have a baby until we got to the era of television where it was okay to talk about having babies without people freaking out like they did in the I Love Lucy days where it was, you know, almost a bit of a scandal. Not really. So did they, so did they fast forward to Bewitched in the 60s so they could put the bed together? Yes. I mean, I think... I think so. And then they got to the 70s so that they could actually do, you know, talk about baby delivery on screen without, like, having to censor themselves. So, you know, as the standards and practices changed over the years, she could do a little bit more. But why wouldn't she have gone there from the beginning? I mean, yeah, I mean why, wouldn't, why wouldn't she just start in, like, a How I Met Your Mother sitcom and stay there? Yeah, like, why? I think the, the, the progression is the weird part. Like, yeah, it makes sense that she's moving forward to... to kind of be for the story but like what's the point of starting in the point. 50s then well because that's where you get the uh you know they just moved to town and that's the kind of show that that you had in the 50s where it's just the, the man and the wife and they they just got their new home and they're getting to know their new town and you know it's a very innocent kind of show uh yes. without without complications more than oh no the boss is coming to dinner what do i do so that's the starting him. point of your happy life then then over the years you know her life becomes more complicated just as sitcom plots became more complicated 
not that Bewitched was like ridiculously complicated. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, you know, once you get up to Brady Bunch, I mean, probably would have been, you know, as much as we kind of shat on Brady Bunch last week, the idea of doing a show about a blended family probably wouldn't have flown 10, 15 years before that. So, uh, you know, I hesitate to call the Brady Bunch progressive, but, <laughs> but in a way, it, it was a new kind of family being seen on screen, just as the Synthesoid and the Witch uh, having magical twins is a new kind of family being portrayed on screen. Again, working theory. <laughs> well, our working theories have all been very successful so far. So. <laughs> <laughs> a start agent in a hazmat suit crawls through the sewers in an attempt to enter Westview. Once he passes through the force field, his lead cable turns into a 1960s toy jump rope. They only had those in the 60s. And his suit becomes a beekeeper suit. As he crawls out from the sewer, he is established as the man who Wanda rewound out of existence in episode two. Or did whatever. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Wait, what happened to him? We don't know. <laughs> yeah, I assume he's still in the town because he didn't get yeeted. Yeah, that's my guess. Yeah. We don't see what happens to him. Right. And that's alarming to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Putting a pin in that for later. Yeah. Back at the base, Darcy has used an old antenna television to observe Wanda in Vision's life as the same sitcom we saw in our own homes. We see her as the person closing the sword journal from the end of episode one. And it's How fun come none of y'all guessed that was Darcy? None of I us guessed not. that was Darcy. No, no one had any idea. I'm going to go back in and edit myself saying, I think it's Darcy, <laughs> and republish our first episode. But it's really good to have Darcy back. The last time we saw her was in Thor the Dark, Dark World. World and Angela. I think it's cool to have uh, Darcy as a character back, and you seem to, to, to agree with my sentiment. Yeah, when I heard she was cast in this, I thought... Okay, that's weird, but sure. I mean, I, I always liked her. I just never, like, gave too much thought to her character. Um, she didn't have a whole lot to do. She just had little quippy things here and there. Um, but I really love what they gave her in this. It's such a great part. Um, and I love just out of the gate, she points out a lot of kind of typical sexist things that women encounter in the workplace. In, you know, today. <laughs> in the modern era, not in a sitcom, um, you know, and especially in her sector having to do with science and technology, I think it's especially pervasive in those workplaces. Um, but you know, like she gets out of the van and the first thing is a guy going, Miss Lewis. And she says, Dr. Lewis, like she, they, they called her there. They asked her to come there because of her expertise, her doctorate, her knowledge. And the first guy that, approaches her says oh miss lewis like it's just well i've heard if you're not a medical doctor you shouldn't call yourself doctor. yeah it's like the whole <laughs> dr jill biden thing i mean we're still women are still dealing with this bs um and then like when she's in the the whatever you call it the compound and she's mm -hmm. got her equipment set up and she's um watching the sitcom and all of that and um Hayward sees her and he just goes, you, <laughs> not, oh, Dr. Lewis or, you know, whatever, you. 
And he asks her all these probing questions like, well, what's happening? Why is it happening? How is this happening? She's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, she literally just got there. She just figured out, you know, getting the TV set up. And, you know, she's still working on figuring this out. And he's, like, attacking her with all these questions. She's still trying to figure it out. And it's just very, like, he's talking down to her, and it's all just very, unfortunately, as a woman, this is all very relatable. <laughs> and I love the line she has later when she's talking to Jimmy Woo outside, um, and they're coming up with a plan to try to contact Wanda in the bubble. Um, and she says, okay. So the next time Wanda is washing dishes, which by my count happens once per episode, barf. And then she keeps talking. And then their plan to, you know, have Jimmy get on the radio because there's always a radio by where Wanda does the dishes. But I just love that she, it's so, such a just throwaway comment, but she points out this trope that's been in decades of sitcoms that the wife always does the dishes. Um... And I, I don't know, I just thought that was kind of brilliant. And um, so I just really appreciate that they they didn't shy away from any of that. Just out of the gate, they um, pointed out a lot of these tropes that not only happen in sitcoms, but happen in today's world. Um, and I think we see some of it happen to Monica, too. You know, I think we don't know a whole lot yet, but I think Hayward is going to... I think he wants to hold on to his position of power. I think all of his, oh, it should have been you and all of that. I think that was all kind of an act. I think he's going to try to keep Monica down, you know, by just having her do smaller missions and stuff. I don't know if I buy his story that her mother, Maria, said, oh, give her only terrestrial missions only. Um, I don't know if I buy that. I feel like he could easily just say anything. You know, your mother said this, so, you know, we, we have to keep you here. You can't go to space. You can't do any of the cool, you know, upper-level missions. I read it on the internet, so it's true. <laughs> and if he's behind stuff happening in Westview, which, I mean, this is that's a big if, but, you know, maybe he wanted Monica to get sucked into all of that. Maybe he knew that she'd get trapped in there or something, you know, so we don't know. But anyway, I just love already what the character of Darcy's doing. She hasn't had a whole lot yet. We just met her again, but she's already got more to do than she ever did in the Thor movies, and I can't wait to see more of her. I like how the last few episodes it's been, hey, isn't it crazy how sexist things used to be? There have been like jokes about like the, the doctor in the last episode, oh, we do this for the ladies so they can understand it. You make a great nurse, all that stuff. And then this episode is like, oh, by the way, still sexist times, sorry. And it's like, you, you get your laugh of superiority over uh, how how unenlightened we used to be, and then, um, and then they kind of snap you back to reality and say, "And it's still like that." Sorry. Yeah, maybe not sexism, but I like Darcy's um, like first on-screen appearance in this show, where she's asking everybody what their field is, and the guy's like, "We're not supposed to talk about it," and then everyone else chimes in, and he's like. I'm in chemistry. No one cares. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really glad Angela brought that up because I I kind of wanted to talk about Darcy because I uh and not that I have much to say and Angela really said it more than I could have. But just I 
never remembered caring about her in Thor, and I really like her here. And it's not that she's a different character. She's the same character, just for some reason, I'm really enjoying her in this, when in Thor, she was just a side character that was fine. Well, you had to watch Thor 2 one of the times she was on. Yeah. So... That probably she was sort of relegated to comic relief in those movies. Yes. And she never had a last name before. Right. Yeah, is this the first time they've said really? that? Because Thor... I feel like I knew her last name, but it may have just been from something else. I thought she was Darcy Lewis in Thor 2. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But Let's I don't all go back and watch or in Dark World. And Eric Selvig, Jane Foster, Darcy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because that was the joke. But... Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I like Darcy because she feels like a real person. Right. I she, think some of the earlier Marvel works, women, they just sort of didn't know how to write women. Yeah. And so they were very tropey. They were very specific to this like box. And Darcy feels like more of a, a person. Right. She's got a personality. She is a doctor, but she's not, you know, somebody with glasses, with a lab coat. She is, right. you know, she's, a, she's her own person. And I think it's it's refreshing. Not to say that, some of the, some of the more recent Marvel properties haven't done this because there have been a couple that have done a really good job. But I think this one, it feels like Darcy really truly has like a like a, a personality. It isn't, isn't just mm-hmm. um, like some sort of trope, right? Someone someone said she was comic relief in the Thor movies, and that's accurate. And she is still funny in this. It's just she's not just comic relief. Yeah, yeah. She's she's the one who's figuring it all out. Like mm-hmm. she's maybe the most important person on the outside that we've met so far. Right. Using facial recognition technology, S.W.O.R.D. begins identifying the cast of WandaVision as missing people from New Jersey, which they announce as though they're actual actors in an actual sitcom. Now, we're about to get into a whole bunch of theories that are going to get proven wrong, so I'm really excited. Uh, Robbie, let's start with you about some of these uh, some of these theories that you got. So what I'll start with is I'm not I don't have theories here. I just think it's funny watching everyone in the show go through what we're doing. Like they must have known they had to have known all the stuff that we would all be saying watching the first three episodes at home because then they had Jim Woo write those things on a whiteboard, which is. It's just so funny. It's so. It was absolutely making fun of obsessive fans. It's who are so meta. Coming things frame by frame. Right. Uh, and right. So and like he's asking the exact same questions. Right. Why, Why hexagonal shape? Why sitcoms? Why sitcoms? Save- is Vision alive? <laughs> is my Vision alive? Is, right. My favorite one though was who's behind this? And you write extraterrestrials, scrolls. Right. Because anytime anything happens in anything Marvel, someone goes, "What if it's scrolls?" Right. <laughs> and. And on top of that, a, a scene later, um, Wu and Darcy are having the same conversation about Monica that we did. They're sitting there talking about, is she is she under control? Is she undercover? Or is this a different person in a different reality? Like, it's it, it was wild. It's so meta that... So meta. That, they know us. Right, that we're... <laughs> the people in the show, watching the fictional show, are having the same dialogue and theories that those of us watching the show within the show in the real world are having. Did that sentence, that was a really hard sentence to track. I felt, I felt extremely (laughs) called out by this episode. Yes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, this one will, this one will make the podcasters laugh. You know, I don't know any close up magic though. So Jimmy's got a, got a leg up. Yeah. 
So, How about you guys? So and it, and it was funny watching them call them like you know so and so is playing Norm. Like I just, um, but Chris, I know you have a bunch I, of details of Jimmy Woo's board. Yes, I do. Um, I also just want to say that I think one I enjoyed was when she had the babies and Darcy says twins. What a twist! And mm-hmm. Jimmy looks at her and she says, "What? I'm invested." <laughs> you know, and it's like she's. She knows that this is a real problem to solve, but she's also kind of getting into it as a TV show. And I just thought that was a fun touch. But yes, yeah, so Jimmy Woo's uh, conspiracy board. Uh, I guess it's not really a conspiracy board at this point. Um, <laughs> but this is where they're hanging up all the uh, all the uh, sheets that they're filling out about the, the citizen profiles with their actual IDs. And if you are obsessive like Jimmy Woo or obsessive like me... You pause the screen to read all the little details. Me, and, yeah, and you can actually make out uh, like the way these uh, forms are filled out. It's legal name, alias, age, sex, occupation, employer, and then occurrence number one, occurrence number two, occurrence number three, and notes. Uh, so, like for Mrs. Hart, uh, the woman at dinner in the first episode, Sharon, her legal name is Sharon Davis. Her occupation is housewife. We actually get um, a photocopy of her New Jersey driver's license. Uh, so you can see what she really is like. Uh, and you see, like, occurrence number one, attends dinner at Wanda's house, blah, 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 and kind of explains where they've seen them all. Uh, nothing super interesting in most of these. However, um, two things. One, they reference events that at least in the timeline of this episode they hadn't seen yet because they talk about the dinner party and everything before they've actually gone to the dinner party or not the it's not the dinner party the uh, the ladies club meeting in the magic show so there are details on there that are from stuff that in this episode we haven't seen them witness yet uh, so kind of a weird choice there i took it as it's a montage so they're kind of showing what has happened over the course of several days yeah i think uh, so because just, they they get to the twins being born yeah. That's what I think, too. So they, yeah, got, so they must have watched that in between that time. Yeah. And 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 I have a, little, a couple issues with that choice because generally a montage is to show time passing and you don't show time passing. And then after the montage is over, jump back to a time, a point in time that is in the middle of that montage. So a little confusing there. Um, do you think that's what's going on or do you think they wrote these little reports they were going to put up on the board? Like, like they made the prop. Uh, without really knowing or thinking ahead of times about the pacing of the actual show and what would be seen by the viewer, and that is they that added is definitely to it later. a possibility as well that that they did that. And but you would think that they would have then gone back and like they would they should have known since this episode was about people obsessively watching Wandavision that people were going to obsessively watch Wandavision and look at all the details. And you think they would have like digitally erased some of those because. We're going to talk about our favorite communist. Noah. I knew it. I knew that's who it was going to be. Legal name, Abolash Tandon. Uh, and they talk about... Uh, his occupation is computer. <laughs> Employer is unknown. Occurrence number one, works with the office alongside Vision. Like Vision, he is unknown. And part of this is going to be covered up by the driver's license, so I'll do my best. He, uh, both his job title and... He's unaware of both his job title and employer. He quickly befriends Vision and is impressed by Vision's abilities to work quickly. 
occurrence number two appears again at the neighborhood watch meeting where he is colder to vision than before vision is able to gain norm's trust by gossiping and jokes does not appear to be suspicious of vision and then under notes here's where it gets very confusing because this is something we have not witnessed Alabash, and I will notice that it, I will note out that it says Abalash under legal name, and down here in notes it says Alabash. So I don't remember what they said out loud as his name, but one of those is spelled wrong. Um, Alabash expresses concern for his father and sister. This information was obtained when Vision awakened him. Is Wanda controlling a whole town? Physical safety of residents is now in question. When Vision releases him, Alabash becomes Norm again. That has to be an error. Whoa. That has to be a mistake that, in prop design. That has to be something that probably happens in the next episode that we're going to watch. And I bet, I mean, will this be digitally erased next week when they update the episodes as they have done in the past? Like when they erased the guy in jeans in that episode of The Mandalorian? Because that's a... Man, a you sleuthed that way harder than I sleuthed that. I didn't... I didn't try to read most of those little blurbs because they were really small and the writing was kind of blurry. You just blew my mind, dude. The board is really interesting to me in general because two things that I noticed that maybe you also noticed too, Sound Lord. Um, we go back to our Agnes mystery. Mm-hmm. Of, is Agnes Agatha Harkness? Most signs point to yes. I've now said that phrase twice. But if you look... They don't have any detailed information about Agnes. Everyone else they've been able to fit, like identify with their facial recognition, but Agnes doesn't have anything listed under real name. So right. they don't know who Agnes is. And there's no uh, driver's license either. No driver's license. So there's no none of that extra information to confirm she is a, an identified person that lives in this New Jersey town. The other and- thing that I noticed, and maybe this is just because they own this could literally just be that they didn't want to put a poster for every single person that they've encountered on the board. However, Dottie is not on the board at all. There's no Dottie on the board, which again, it could be coincidental or it could be that they just didn't want to put every townsperson there, but her not being on the board is suspicious to me because of the interaction that she has in episode two, where she calls Wanda out for not trusting her. Um, weirdly just breaks her her sitcom character to say i don't trust you and then you know the radio thing happens whatever but there's nothing about Dottie on the board at all and one or um, agnes says in episode two that Dottie's like the key to things going on in the town so is there something there with Dottie? is there a reason she's also not on the board they don't have any information on her but she's clearly a character a main character in one of the episodes but she doesn't have any extra information yeah so agnes not having any extra information makes sense to all of us probably because we think that she's a witch Dottie, big mystery who knows i want to point out that when you see agnes's uh file it's just pulled out far enough that it's very hard to make anything out here's what i have because they do show a close-up of she weighs the same as a duck (laughs) that means she's made of wood (laughs) (laughs) so occurrence number three audience member at the town talent show fundraiser she continually offers commentary throughout the show and often refers to her husband ralph 
Ralph's status unknown. And then here, I'm only seeing like the last few words of a couple sentences here under the notes section. We see Vision's home. So we see Wanda appears in. We see Agnes has helped care. And then we see has used magic around Agnes. Yeah, at the sh at the talent show, yeah. Yeah. Um, at least. Yeah, but I was not able to make out any of the other stuff. I could try to look again at some point. But, yeah. Mysteries abound. Well, and we do get that little... So, I am standing to reason, because there is that one point where we see Geraldine with a newspaper, and she's, like, sitting on a bench, and somebody's, like, walking somewhere. That's not a scene we've seen before. Right. No. And so that stands to reason that they have seen things on these broadcasts that even we haven't seen yet. Yeah, they got more episodes. Than so we maybe did. there's more fair. episodes. Maybe this Norm right. thing is just something that happened in an episode that we didn't get to see that already True. happened in the in a Yeah, that's possible. Episode. But that yeah. seems really... That's a like, very big thing to leave out. <laughs> that's a huge that thing also... to leave out. Yeah. Right. And the fact that there's more episodes would make more sense because uh, so one of the things on the whiteboard um, is same time and space. And that made me wonder, like, are they is Wanda like showing 30 minutes of her life every week or are they watching this constantly? Which means there's constant things going on that we're not going to see because we're only seeing, you know, 30 minutes of it. Um, well, when we see them watching the show, it's the same show with the same cuts and everything, but... She also cuts out anything that she doesn't want them to see. Like when right. she rewinds um, right. the, the whole dinner party thing, stop it, stop it, stop it. They never saw that uh, as far as we can tell. Uh, because you hear it in the background. You hear the dinner party. You hear them talking, him asking questions. And then it cuts right to the end of the episode. They don't stop and go, oh gosh, he's choking. And remember how we talked about in those first few episodes that whenever anything weird happens, the camera becomes like mm -hmm. more modernized and starts pushing in that's because it's not part of the sitcom at all mm -hmm. so they're not seeing it uh they that makes don't sense. Hear, they don't hear when jimmy starts talking to wanda which we know is happening in real time uh, weirdly it is night outside and it's daytime in the right. tv show which i didn't realize till just now uh which is why i think i, I think we kind of postulated this at some point in the last couple weeks that the scene changes the cuts are happening they're skipping over anything that doesn't happen like she's literally everything she's living is only what we're seeing interesting yeah i think you're right so it's like a weird pocket dimension where time doesn't work the same way that's not a great way to so then <laughs> then that brings up another one the aging of their their kids was that supposed to be Wanda doesn't know child rearing, you know, how, how, uh, uh, gestation periods work. Was it supposed to be some sort of weird offspring or was it about getting to the chase and advancing the season so that the children could be born? Is she's it... like a lot of the people who are watching the show. She's impatient and wants to get to the good, wants to get to the stuff that she wants to see with right. no waiting. Give me the pickle. It's... I don't know, just segue. <laughs> As they observe, Darcy notices Monica in the talent show episode. 
Agent Wu says it doesn't seem like the same person and potentially is an alternate reality, and Darcy wonders if she's undercover and playing along. Darcy sets up a transmitter to try and reach Wanda via radio, and as she does, the FBI identifies the small helicopter Wanda found in her bushes as a sword drone, just changed to a retro style to match production design. Oh, and, and they say that they just saw, saw this, and it's only a couple minutes later that she's now at the at the, uh, at the garden, at the, the planning committee meeting or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So literally only two minutes have passed in real time, but it's in Wanda's world the next right. day. So yeah, it's it's a completely different time stream in there. Wait, the planning meeting was the next day? I thought she found the helicopter right before she went to the planning meeting. Oh no, you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry, my my mistake. I still think that's a weird time skip though. Well, fits in the, it's weird, it fits in the concept of this narrative. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, if you're looking at it real time when he's going, Wanda, Wanda, can you hear me? Who's doing this to mm-hmm. you? That took up a finite amount of time in the real world. But on their TV, it skipped ahead to after all of that happened instantaneously. So they're now watching something that they're they're moving at different speeds through time Wa- and space. WandaVision is on tape delay. Yeah. <laughs> Wu talks over the radio to Wanda as she is washing the dishes at the talent show planning meeting. The explosion of the radio and Dottie being startled and hurting herself is completely edited out of the broadcast. Darcy sees. Wu and Darcy watch Monica refer to Ultron, but on their broadcast, the credits roll immediately after Wanda starts asking Geraldine who she is. As alarms blare, we see the aftermath of Monica bringing up Ultron to Wanda. Wanda tells Geraldine... She is neither her friend nor her neighbor if she knows who Ultron is, calls her a stranger and an outsider, and Hex pushes her out of the side of the house, across the countryside, and out the force field. And she breaks the fourth wall. Yes. Ah. I love it. There are four of them. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Can we get another email? <laughs> that's not the email sound. That's oh, the telegram right. sound. There's a singing telegram at Eduardo's door. Wanders, <laughs> uh, wanders, Wanda's anger subsides to startled fear as she repairs the damage to the house before Vision comes inside. As Vision asks Wanda what happened to Geraldine, we get a jump scare of Wanda turning to see a black and white Vision with a hole in his head where Thanos pulled out the Mind Stone. Raise your hand if you was <laughs> the scariest thing right? I have ever. And it, it was so scary because I didn't expect it at all. I expected it and was still scared. Like when I saw him in the background, he's black and white. Exactly what I thought was going to happen happened. And it still freaked me out. Because they cut to it for just a mm-hmm. second. And then they showed Wanda and then they cut back to it to be like, no, 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 no. What you saw, what you think you saw. Yeah. Like the double, double take. Right. Yeah, it was... <laughs> so scary and it just brings the question what in the world is going on with vision now angela what what do you think's happening with vision so initially you know after watching it the first time my question i think chris also was like is this is it really him or is it wanda having kind of a post-traumatic stress you know reaction of you know remembering when he got killed by Thanos and, and it was just kind of in her mind, you know, 
And then I saw a video, um, someone was talking about a deleted post credit scene from Endgame that was going to be Wanda finding Vision's body, like the body bag or whatever. I don't know where it's being kept, if it's in like a morgue and it's, if Sword has it or Shield has it. Um, and she starts doing something to it with like magicking it. And that could be, that could have been, you know, what would have teased the audience into, you know, here's what's next. You know, it's going to be some crazy times with WandaVision. Um, but they, Kevin Feige opted to take it out. And there are a lot of reasons he could have done that. I'm sure a big one was, you know, Endgame was such a fantastic ending to so many films especially obviously the avengers saga that why you know you, you want it to really feel like an ending so why right. would you put post-credit scenes in there um but it could also be that that would have been too much of a reveal like really early on too much of a reveal to show that she finds vision's body and you know that maybe she's trying to reanimate him or something um, that would have been too big of a reveal for this show that they were planning. So I think it really is his corpse. I think she's somehow parading it around and like projecting a live vision onto it. Um, and my kind of overarching theory is that every time she gets distracted and is remembering something from her real life, the illusion around her starts to break and the characters around her start to lose their, you know, their sitcom um, character. So like in the first episode, when the boss is demanding to know like, hey, where are you guys from? And it, initially it's a very innocent question. It's just like, so where are you kids from? You know, like, how'd you come to town or whatever? And she can't think of a backstory and she realizes she can't, I don't know if she doesn't remember in the moment or if she's just really trying to think of something to say and can't think of anything. And I think that distracts her more and more to the point where that's why he starts choking and it becomes more dramatic and takes everyone kind of out of the sitcom. And then um, in the second episode, she gets distracted by the radio and that kind of pulls her out of it, which I think pulls Dottie out of it because Wanda's not concentrating on keeping up the illusion uh, anymore. Um, and then the thing with the red blood on her hand when she cuts herself is breaking the illusion also. And then in the third episode, she's very much distracted by all that just went down with Geraldine. Um, and then Vision walks in and she, because she's distracted, she's there are cracks in her illusion. And one of them is what we just saw that, you know, she she isn't concentrating as much on vision and that's why we see the corpse instead of his sitcom look so that's my theory yeah, i think it's a really strong one yeah i think it's she's a necromancer. i think it's right and it makes the dinner party scene make a little more sense because that that scene was creepy and and intentionally i think it got across this point but one of the things that we talked about was how she's begging for her to stop and he's choking and then as soon as it's all done it's just back to a light and happy sitcom which i if angela's theory is correct and i i currently believe she is it's because wanda managed to retake hold they weren't panicking and they weren't choking anymore because now wanda was back in control of their personalities which is a really creepy well, sentence 
wouldn't that also we talked about this last week but that scene with vision where he's talking to her not herb um he's talking to ralph and ralph. agnes oh right no norm it's uh it's herb, herb. yeah it is herb and agnes. Herb. Oh, i'm sorry herb he's talking to herb and agnes and they're speaking and they're like talking and then suddenly they both just go back into character and mm-hmm. that could coincide with what's happening with Geraldine and Wanda inside the house. We, Geraldine's yeeted, everything's back to normal. Yep, everything's back to normal and that's why they switch back on. What Angela just said and what we're agreeing with means that if it's correct, we accidentally nailed exactly that scene. Because I was listening earlier on my way to get coffee. I was re-listening to our episode, episode two, which is about episode three. And we came to this conclusion and we were like, oh, maybe that's right. Well, mm-hmm. well, we and the one it. I'm still wondering about is if Geraldine was under control or not. I know that I think it was Eduardo and Peach thought Geraldine is just playing along. Um, and I'm now starting to agree with you guys, but I still still some about that scene makes me feel like it's possible that Geraldine didn't know what was going on until she got until the, until Wanda's character broke. And she got yeeted out of the... No, Eduardo said, Eduardo said that she was playing along and saw an opening and took it. And I agreed with that. And I, I really do think that's what happened even more so I, now. I'm still well, leaning towards that she was under a spell until Pietro was mentioned. And that's what snapped her out of it. Because, And I only think that because we've now seen that when things enter this world they get transformed in a way that fits in with right. the worlds, like the drone turning into the toy helicopter, but taking on Iron Man colors because it's part of Wanda's right. psyche. Um, and and then later on with the beekeeper guy, how he gets transformed into a beekeeper, and the uh, cord that was attached to him, the bungee cord, turned into an old school jump rope. I so, think it's both. Yeah, it could be both. Yeah. My yeah. opinion has changed, and now I think it's both. Okay, so... We can theorize a few things here. One, when Wanda isn't paying attention to you and you are not part of the sitcom, you go back to your regular self. At least that's what we can theorize here, right? Because of Geraldine, because of some of the other things that we've seen. When Wanda isn't on you, you go back to you. So Geraldine, when she wasn't in that scene, was herself. That's my theory. And then she gets in that scene, she goes under the influence of Wanda, and then she breaks but I think that point where she goes back and starts to try to fit into the show again is her acting. I, I agree with that now. I, I wasn't sure how I felt about that last week, but having seen the rest of that scene now, I agree with that 100%. That yeah. now she's like, oh, crap, I need to fix this. Right, and so she just tries to kind of cover her footsteps at that point, and then mm-hmm. she gets yeeted out. Um, yeah, And that's very in line with the Avengers Disassembled storyline that led into House of M, where her children disappear when she's not thinking right. about them. Right. I think that's something that we're getting. And so these people yeah. that are like elsewhere are not necessarily. Yeah. It's as, as they're still trapped, but they're not just like sitting around in full like character. Yeah. And, and you'll notice that at, while Geraldine is in there talking to Wanda, that's when the doctor's like, yeah, well, small towns, hard to escape. So it's everywhere the influence is fading until Geraldine is gone and then everyone's back to yep back to normal. After Wanda closes and reopens her eyes, Vision is back to normal. Wanda tells him not to worry. She has everything under control. Mm-hmm. As the FBI and S.W.O.R.D. descend on Monica, she says, it's all Wanda. 
So we think, I mean, we've theorized for a while that it's been Wanda who has been in control of everything. And so it is, one, it's being sort of confirmed here. And two, it really implies a lot about where Wanda is emotionally, where she is mentally, you know, and and a lot of um, what the character is going through. And we can really, like, picture how she got to this point. Um, Peach, you wanted to talk a little bit about the implications of Wanda sort of being in this controlled. Yeah, this <clears throat> this scene is especially scary to me because it kind of, conf- we keep saying confirmed and nothing is really confirmed, but it leads us more toward the Wanda is a villain in this, in this show route, saying that she has control of everything when clearly we're seeing a different perspective uh, or a new perspective rather that she's not always in control. But I was thinking about, you know, you go back and you watch something after you already know how the pieces fit together. Um, you know, much like Bioshock, which we mentioned last week. Um, and you start to notice these things. So I just wanted to share with with you all and the listeners, like the implications of Wanda being in control and like how that is how that actually translates now that we have that information. So like, first of all, one of the very first scenes Wanda hitting Vision in the head with a plate and immediately saying, my husband and his indestructible head. Not only do we know that his head is not indestructible, but since he's a corpse with his head wound and all, she just smacks him in the head with a plate right in his head wound, which I think is kind of messed up. <laughs> that was more funny than anything. You go, <laughs> you, fast forward, you fast forward to dinner and Mrs. Hart pleading, stop it. At first... You know, it kind of seems like we, we had this theory that, you know, they were actors or illusions or something. And she was just saying, stop it and stuck in a weird, creepy loop. But it ends up being that she is under Wanda's spell. Right. And she is she is asking for help, which we got to. But it's not even it's not even that she's under this spell and she can't fully break out of it. She's breaking out enough to only say stop it and give Wanda a worried look, but she can't get up and physically help, which makes that scene even more messed up to think about because she can't help her own husband. She is just literally begging somebody to save his life. And I think we may have even brought this up in our first episode about this, but her saying stop and looking at Wanda, she's asking Wanda yes. to stop it. Yes. yes. Stop like, all of this. And, and that's all she can do. So, yeah, we, we already 90% covered it, but that extra 10% of she physically can't mm-hmm. help makes it even more messed up. Yeah. Also, I want to go back to the corpse thing for just a second in this scene because it's interesting if he's a corpse that is being necromanced around by Wanda that he still has the ability to phase yeah. into Mr. Hart's throat and take the thing that he's choking on out. I wonder if that's just just like in the magic show, Wanda doing the magic and vision is physically shown phasing into his throat. I think there's something more going on there because Wanda doesn't have that power. I mean, I think theoretically Wanda has whatever power she wants, but I don't think she gets the gum out of vision's chest. Yeah. But she like floats it out. This is very deliberately like phasing. Yeah. I, I still am part of the theory that this whole thing is to try to bring vision back and Mm -hmm. in some ways she has succeeded but not fully and i think the more this world progresses the more she sees it as a success Mm -hmm. and 
um, I think that the vision that we're seeing is maybe even partially alive, but not the vision that we know. Yeah, because... I'm, I'm on board with that. Too. And, and yeah. this is going to come up. The end of this episode, as Wanda walks to the couch, Vision gives a nervous look because Vision is also afraid of Wanda. Now, that could be Wanda yeah. embellishing for the show and making her husband afraid of her, but why would she do that? I don't... That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, I agree yeah, something I else he, is... I'm more and more believing he has awareness. Right. Yeah, yeah, he looks directly at the, the camera at the end of this episode like yeah. help me yeah which he's <laughs> done which he's done before and we talked about that so he's becoming aware of this fourth wall yes. too and i think after this we're gonna see him maybe questioning townsfolk on his own to try to figure out yeah i'm wondering if next episode he... is the am i dead line that we all saw in the trailer yeah, yeah. well we'll see i that's I'll, I'll talk about that later because i'm most curious about that but mm-hmm. some more stuff that has implications of wanda's fully in control Episode two, they're at the you know they're at the pool scene where where Jimmy Woo breaks through, and the conversation they have right before that, um, Dottie says like confronts her and says, "Hey, you're up to something. I don't trust you." And Wanda literally says to her, "I don't mean you any harm." Dottie says, "I don't believe you," and then this radio chatter is coming through. And Wanda explodes the radio and shatters a glass into Dottie's hand to distract her from the radio. Then Dottie snaps out of it and goes back to character. She literally harmed Dottie by shattering a glass into her hand and making her bleed right after she said she didn't mean any harm. I think I might be convinced, but do we know that's what happened? Because I thought it was Dottie got startled and squeezed the glass. That's what I thought, too. She was holding a glass and crunched it. Have you ever tried to do that i don't i don't think i've done anyone, it on accident you've squeezed the yeah. glass to shattering fully in your yeah hand. i've broken a glass in my hand yes, and if, it, yes. if it's not because it, i didn't cut myself quite as badly as dotty though i yeah, like, i don't believe that that happened depending on what kind of glass it is if it's like a crystal well, not crystal but like a there there's like thinner glass that's more easily yeah. broken crystal yeah, uh, yeah, you could break crystal. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, you guys can have that. People used to crush glasses like it was their job, <laughs> man. I don't think I don't think that that was. I, it's possible, but it seems more likely that it was part of the distraction. How are you gonna if you're gonna blow up a radio in front of somebody? They're not gonna forget that. If you kill the radio and you harm them with this shattered glass. Their focus is now on my hand has glass in it and is bleeding. Uh, yeah, that's possible. I'm just not certain. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not convinced. Either. My take on it is kind of going with Angela's spell requires concentration theory uh, that by blowing up the radio, she can now concentrate again. Mm-hmm. That also scares Dottie into breaking the glass and that's an unintended side effect of of that, but not necessarily what she was going for. Because I think she is not; in, she really does not intend to harm anyone. Either way, if if Wanda's blowing up of a radio spell extended four inches to the right and blew up a glass as well, or if Dottie, you know, crushed it mm-hmm. in her hand like she's a frat boy at a party crushing a beer can. However it happened, she still ended up harming Dottie right after she said, I don't mean any harm to you. Oh, yeah. And, and, the, and it, the fact remains that she is harming all these people anyway. 
Right. That's, right. Yeah. So that happened. Um, everybody at the magic show, I think, you know, they're mostly under the spell, but then they see Wanda do magic and they're kind of like, whoa, what's going on? Um, you know, her being impressed with Vision's card failing trick, they kind of have that con- They have that conversation at the end of episode three where Agnes and Herb are like, do we tell him? Do we not tell him? Like, they're, they're kind of going through that, and Agnes is like, no, don't tell him. It almost feels like, back to what we were saying, they are under his spell at the magic show, and at that point, they're like, we're just going to keep going with it. You know, we, we, don't want, we don't want anyone to get hurt again. Um. And then the yeeting confirmed happened. Uh, we we go back to the beekeeper, and I am worried about that beekeeper, you guys. She yeeted Geraldine through four walls of television, and we don't see what happened to the beekeeper. I mean, there's more episodes coming. Did she straight up murder that guy? Or did I she yeet him too? I bet he was just kind of assimilated into the show. Yeah, I was about to say the word assimilated. We might see him as a new character. Yeah. Because that's what happened to Monica. Yeah. Man, that's less grim than what I thought happened. (laughs) I I hesitate. I I don't think they are going to make Wanda a villain. An antagonist, yes. A villain, no. Um, I think that if they do, they'll bring her back by the end of the show. I'm still in that boat. Yeah. But and she's if not by the end of the show, then by the end of Doctor Strange or something. Right. But uh, I think she needs to be brought back. And I, I just hope it's done in a way because there, there's there been some... I, I, I'm going to say controversy, but I don't know if that's exactly the right word. When you look at the Avengers Disassembled and House of M storylines, uh, there's a lot of concern with how it portrayed her because it's like oh the lady got sad um and destroyed everything because she went crazy and it, and it kind of plays into some old sexist tropes uh in, um, in some ways in comics no. what i know it's hard to believe that comics <laughs> might be sexist sometimes <laughs> uh, yeah. so so i hope that however it's resolved it is done in a way in an empowering way because it's really cool that wanda is arguably the most powerful of, of these heroes now. And, and it's just funny to me that it wasn't that long ago that we all just assumed that was Captain Marvel. Uh, and now we've got a character from Captain Marvel in this and we're like, oh, but now you have a more powerful friend. It's it's interesting though, because you look at the two of them and and Captain Marvel got her powers from the Space Stone, yeah? Yes, yeah, she got and, from the Tesseract. Yes. And Wanda would have gotten them from the Mind Stone just mm-hmm. like vision so yeah mm-hmm. that's two entirely different power sets that you're talking about here and they're both yeah, was, very powerful but in their own ways i was it's just talking to on the reality stone but right her yeah. powers feel like the reality stone uh captain marvel's powers feel like the power stone yes so yeah um the one thing the one reason i'm a little bit cautious on thinking Wanda will be the actual villain instead of heavily manipulated by some force is it will be a hell of a time writing back from that, you know, having the world go back to accepting, Oh yeah, she's a hero. Despite the fact that she enslaved an entire town in New Jersey one time when she was sad, um, writing your way at the start. Right. Right. And so they might go straight on to in this universe, Scarlet Witch is a villain, but I 
don't think they'll want to do that. Yeah. And so purely for narrative uh, protecting Elizabeth Olsen's character reasons, I don't think she's actually going to be. I do think she's going to be manipulated by something instead of just having snapped and done this on her own. But we'll see. I don't know, man. Loki was a villain for 95% of his Marvel screen time. And he's kind of a hero, anti-hero figure now. And people still love him. He's been back and forth 82 times. Mm -hmm. Something I'm going to say that shouldn't make sense, but I'll bet you agree with me, is that viewers are less disgusted by the person that starts a war where you know there's fatalities but you don't see them instead of someone who's manipulating a bunch of people who we actually see on screen i'm not saying that what wand is doing is not worse than what loki is do loki did in fact mm -hmm. i think it is not worse um but i think that how viewers react to what they did um loki is more haha he started a war in new york and and wanda is terrifying it's it's like darth vader helped right blow of a planet and when he right. got his redemption at the end everyone cheered kylo right. ren killed someone whose name we knew and a lot of people are like he can't be redeemed yep exactly 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 interesting anyway yeah just uh me going no, back like watching things making more connections to her being in control maybe some are right yeah. maybe some aren't you say yeah, you made the magic. being in control? Herb is in control. <laughs> <laughs> it's you all made, Herb. Uh, Herb. You made the talent show make more sense to me. <laughs> Wanda and, and Vision sit about, down to watch right. TV, and Vision giving a worried look before sitting down. The credits roll. And Jimi Hendrix plays. Where do we think this is going, Angela? We'll start with you. Where do you think this is going? Where, where do you think the show moves forward from here? So, um, I think we're going to go back to more like decades episodes, you know, like I, I'm thinking, hoping that the next episode will start off with an eighties sitcom theme song, you know, and we'll kind of be back into that, um, style of show. However, I'm a little sad because I feel like we're not going to get the fully like self-contained episodes anymore. Like the first two were, I think it's going to be interspersed with you know, stuff that's happening in the real world with um, Darcy and Jimmy Woo and everything. Um, which, like, I'm again, I'm a little sad about that, but at the same time, I mean, I really enjoy those characters now that we've, you know, re-met. Um, so I am excited to see them again and, you know, how they're evaluating what's going on. Um, and maybe they're going to be able to reach out to Wanda in even more ways during the, the 80s episode or during the 90s episode. I'm assuming we're getting one of each of those. Um, and I really, really think that from this point on, we are hopefully going to learn more about Agnes because she, to me, she is the biggest question. I mean, this show is full of question marks, but Agnes is the biggest question mark this whole time. Um and I love Katherine Hahn. She is brilliant. Like, I don't think you guys sang her praises enough in your first couple episodes of this. I don't think you ever took time to really talk about her. You talked about Elizabeth Olsen, which is good because yes, Elizabeth Olsen was brilliant in how she did, you know, the Elizabeth Montgomery, you know, bewitched kind of personality in the 60s. Um, 
but Katherine Hahn, I feel like, is just a brilliant actress, incredibly underrated. She's been in so many things that, like, I every time I see her, she's like Stanley Tucci, where, like, I see a thing she's in, and I'm like, oh, I forgot she was in this. But she's so good and um, such a great character actress. I love her in Parks and Rec. She's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this, she really takes on the, like, the delivery of a character that would have been in one of those old sitcoms really well. Like, oh, this is going to be a gas. You know, like the way that she says stuff is so perfect. I could listen to her say, my husband, Ralph. Yeah. Like, my husband, Ralph. (laughs) Yeah. Like, she's so good. She's so funny. And I can't wait to see more from her. And I know that she's capable of doing both the funny and the dramatic really well. And I can't wait for it. Um, so that's where I think we're going next is I think we are going to learn more about her. I don't know if it'll be in the next episode, but I mean, at some point we do need to learn more, more about her and her mystery husband. Um, so that's what I am looking forward to. Robbie, what do you think? I'm with Angela on, I'm a little sad. This episode was just like last episode where I enjoyed it less as a self-contained episode than the first couple. And yet it also did make me more excited for the, show as a whole and this is definitely i think we are now transitioning even though these episodes are self-contained to an extent um we are definitely i think transitioning into this instead of being nine episodes about wanda and vision being a uh a nine or a, a four and a half hour movie split up into nine parts about wanda and vision um so it got me i i didn't enjoy this one as much because i do kind of miss the i missed the sitcom tropes um totally understood i don't think it was a mistake it's just i i really enjoyed the first couple episodes for that um and i'm i hope we get back to that but i'm guessing it's going to be less and less a part of the show going forward um more than it was in this episode but less overall than it was in the first two and i'm a little sad about that um but uh and elizabeth olsen is extremely scary and i am looking forward to them giving me a reason to not be so afraid of Elizabeth Olsen, or maybe I'm going to end up being completely afraid of Elizabeth Olsen, but I don't think they want that. So I think at some point they're going to make me stop seeing her in my nightmares. And I didn't know she was this scary and I'm terrified of her. And we've already talked about it, but like, I think she's controlling her dead boyfriend's corpse. And I just, I know he's not really a person, but it's really disturbing. And peach, please get me out of this. (laughs) Yeah, go. I'll, I'll take it from here. Yeah, no, I like this episode. Um, I am curious, obviously, about a lot of things. Um, you know, it's a very, it was a very meta episode to give us answers, enough answers to some of our questions, and leave a whole bunch more. I think some people will like that a lot. I think, and I think some people won't like that because they won't have all the answers that they thought they were going to get. Um, regardless, I liked it. Most of my questions for the future revolve around Dottie and Agnes and Vision. I am really curious too to know like what the status of Vision is. Is he just a lifeless corpse that Wanda is animating? Is he and after us talking about it and me thinking about it more, I think this is the lowest percentage chance, but is he just a projection? We're just going to I'm I'm saying it cuz I wrote it in the notes. I don't think he's a projection. Or is it like some middle ground between him being a corpse and Wanda being magical? Does he have some sort of sentience since he is mostly machine? In theory, he could have been brought back to life to a some percentage extent, 
but his full personality wasn't there. So is he a quote unquote corpse in the sense that he's not fully the vision that we knew him as? And Wanda is putting on a, a colorful, happy face with no hole in his head. Um, or is he purely 100% robo corpse? I don't know. I really want to find out. So that's what I'm looking forward to know, knowing the most. You've heard Wardo? of RoboCop, now RoboCorpse. RoboCorpse. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> um, I'm going to disagree with Robbie and Angela. I enjoy wow. the a little bit more of the mixing of the real and the sitcom. Anytime the camera turns to the widescreen, like that slow, like moving... Like, so I'm like, oh, shit, something's about to happen. Uh, so it gets me real excited. Um, I'm more interested to see where this is going, uh, once again, from Vision's perspective. I'm, I've, my mind, since watching the first trailer, has been stuck on that Halloween episode. Um, one, what show is that? I'm, my mind goes to the Wonder Years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. I, I agree, because that's shot more traditionally well, single character. Right. The Wonder Years is in that I had talked about um, that 70s show in, ha- in Happy Days as being about a different time from when the show was shot and wondering how they would handle that. The Wonder Years is the same thing. The yeah. Wanda Years. Um, the Wonder Man Years. Ah. In that trailer, we get like Vision like touching Agnes's head and like... I don't know what that even means. Like if he's like seeing something there, if he is like getting something, it doesn't seem like Agnes is in like full control. It's like a weird, really creepy thing. I think it's super cool. I don't know. Waking her up like they mentioned in the norm notes. Awakening her. Awakening her. Yeah. Like maybe vision has the power to do that, but maybe the more vision realizes it's a fake world, the closer he becomes to like dying. Right. Like he Mm. needs to believe that the world is fake for it to continue. This show is Link's Awakening. <laughs> yeah. Which was based on Twin uh, Peaks. <laughs> yes. Hey, yeah, no spoilers. So I, I haven't played that yet. <laughs> I, th- I also think that they told us a lot in this episode, and they didn't... It was all just like, all right, we're going to tell you all these different things. And they just kind of like machine gun. All right, this is what's happening here. This is what's happening here. This is what's happening here. And while I don't dislike that, I felt like they could have done it maybe in a little bit more of an elegant way. Mm-hmm. Um, of kind of telling us like, instead of just having an episode where they just literally are like, all right, here's this, 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 and this. And there are still questions to be answered. Absolutely. But they very plainly in this episode are like, this is the explaining episode where we're going to talk about mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that you have been theorizing. And if they do just go back to a sitcom and then two episodes later we get another explaining episode, I think that'll be a little... Yeah, I absolutely do not want them to just go back and forth like this the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree with that. Chris, what about you? I, uh, well, I agree a little bit more with Angela and Robbie than I do with you about the sitcom stuff because I do really enjoy the sitcom stuff and want to see more of that going forward. And and I am a little sad that we're not going to be getting the... Probably it's we can't say for sure because we don't know we haven't seen it yet, uh, but it seems like it is likely that perhaps they will not be doing just these self-contained episodes anymore, and we'll start to see a little bit more of what's going on outside, uh, or maybe outside will get to the inside a little bit more. Who knows? Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll miss the episodes that were just straight up sitcom pastiches, but you know I'm still excited to see where it goes from here. 
And I don't know, you talking about Vision's corpse walking around and if he becomes aware, will he die again? I, I got to go back to that Vision and Scarlet Witch miniseries where the first issue was about them uh, facing zombies. And then it ended with when when the zombie stuff came back, it was, all right, you can bring back, you can use the powers to bring this person back to life. But if they figure out that they were dead, they will die again. So it, again, it just, I just keep thinking of that with Grim Reaper and um, Black Talon and all that stuff from the, the old Vision of Wanda, or Vision Scarlet Witch series. Uh, but for me, what I one of the great joys for me in the MCU is when they start mixing together characters that don't necessarily you wouldn't expect to be put together. And this episode had so much of that. I just love that somebody watched the Thor movies, somebody watched Ant-Man and the Wasp and said, yeah, the intern and the FBI agent, put them together. And and the little girl from Captain Marvel, get her in there too. And it works. I I, I think that Darcy and Jimmy Woo are actually a really great pairing. Uh, they, they're they both kind of funnier characters from their own movies. And, and really, Jimmy Woo comes from a movie that is one of the more comedic of the MCU anyway. Um, so it's kind of funny and and when I, I love that they integrate him the line about where where director hayward is like oh someone must really miss you in quantico and he says no sir softball season's over like that feels like a joke from ant-man of the wasp mm-hmm. like it is a straight up comedic joke line that um but it, they work together really well and and i'm excited to see how these three characters from three different movie franchises come together on this show that's about a completely different character from a different franchise. You know, they said, yeah, we're going to take those three characters, put them in a show about the Scarlet Witch. Who thinks of that? I don't know, but I love it. So I'm excited to see that going going forward. Okay, one last thing. Yes. The babies. Uh-huh. There are two possibilities here, because one, I don't think that they are Wanda and Vision's babies, right? Oh, no. They are either imaginary babies or the more sinister no, no. they belong to people that live in the town and they have taken the children as their own so they're either imaginary or they literally belong to someone else that oh, that explains how you have a baby uh what 14 hours after you become pregnant. right and the babies are going to yeah. grow up via just being different children from the neighborhood that are absorbed as their own ah oh, well that's that's dark and i don't you're like billy that. and timmy this week. that neighborhood you're billy and tommy this week wait what is the we need another timmy what is the population of twins specifically in westview <laughs> <laughs> that's terrifying uh yes. all right ratings what are we going to rate this episode four of WandaVision. Robbie, we'll start with you. Uh, I'm going to give uh, episode four seven broke girls out of ten. Peach. <laughs> I gave it eight callback card tricks out of ten, and I will never have a better MacGuffin ever for the rest of time. Mm-hmm. Chris? <laughs> I gave it eight FBI agent fan theories out of ten. I gave it eight vintage curved TVs out of ten, and Angela, take us home. Eight sexist tropes out of ten. Yeah! Don't you want, don't you want fewer of those? 
Oh gosh, she didn't. She didn't bring this up, but she saw this video where someone was like, "She said barf." That's a reference to barf yeah, from Civil it, War and Spider Man. I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah, it was a. It's a, a reference to vomiting. It was a man talking about his theories about this episode. Wait, that's real. And <sighs> and he says, "Oh, she said barf." Of course, referring to you know Tony Stark's um, you know alternate reality. Um, Mysterious involved. And I was just like, you've got, like, he didn't even acknowledge, you know, what Darcy was talking about leading up to her saying barf. Of course. He was just like, oh, barf. So she's got to be. Reminds me, it reminds me of that video that was like a hundred Easter eggs you didn't catch in Endgame. And one of them is is Nebula holds Rocket's hand just like uh, Drax holds Rocket's hand in. in... What? What? What is. What? That's not... Nebula holds Rocket's hand like someone does when their friend is sad. <laughs> yeah, That's I, a plot we're, hole. We're, we're treading dangerously close to Zelda theory videos. Undoubtedly, the sequel will have this happen. Some we people have weird Easter's is what I'm learning. <laughs> Agnes is the Zonai. Oh, God. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Recently Required at MCU Retrospective. If you want to email the show, shoot us an email over at assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter at assemblycast. You can follow all of us individually, PhilKid3, GatorSax2010, D underscore Peaches, The Lady Sound, and ABCD Eduardo1. That's going to do it for myself, for Chris, for Peaches, for Robbie, and for Angela. We love you 3,000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Boobly boobly. Barf. Nitroglycerin. We're gonna need another Timmy. Well, Timmy, you just pour it into the blender there while oh. I get behind this lead shield. Okay. Uh, Say it. We're gonna need another Timmy. Yeah. <laughs>